Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Welcome to the Family Sanctuary, focusing on life-giving relationships and the family. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, chairman of Heartbeat International that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. And today we've got a wonderful program, wonderful guests that I know you will love to hear their story. Uh, and it's part of our series that we've been doing uh, called The Secret of a Long Marriage. And uh, you can find those programs in our archives at stgabrielradio.com. And so far, we've heard from couples that have been married over 50 years, <laughs> 25 years, 35 years, some wonderful stories. But today we have a, an exciting opportunity to hear from a couple who've only been married for four years. Uh, but I believe they have a, a true, um, beautiful story. And they're going to be sharing, I think, one of the best secrets, unfortunately, to a, a great and a long marriage. And that is a beautiful courtship, a great courtship. We don't hear a lot about that term courtship anymore. But actually courting each other, uh, getting to know each other, truly getting to know the values and and the uh, the faith of the other person that the Lord has presented to you and and truly prepare for a beautiful marriage. To me, I just love that part of your story. And I, I, I think that uh, it's going to be wonderful for you to hear it. So thank you, Kurt and Maggie Deeringer, uh, who are now with us by phone. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for uh, being here. Yeah. Thanks for having us. <laughs> You're very welcome. And I'm just blessed to have gotten to know you two. And uh, actually, I got to meet Maggie first. Uh, Maggie Deeringer is actually in uh, the same parish that my husband and I are. Maggie and Kurt are. And Maggie is a teacher at St. Mary, Mother of God Parish in German Village. So teacher at St. Mary's School. So that's how I got to know Maggie. And then got introduced to Kurt and uh, just I, I've been truly blessed by your story and uh, so happy to have you able to share it with us today. So uh, Maggie, you're a religion teacher at St. Mary's School, right? That's correct. That's this correct. My third year going in. Oh, wonderful. And, uh, and Kurt, you work as a contractor with Eco House Solar. I was interested in that, you know, finally catching up with uh, using the sun <laughs> to benefit us the way we can with solar energy. Thank you for that. And you've been married for four years. Uh, this uh, soon will be married for four years. And you have uh, your first child, Joan, who's two. So uh, you're just starting out uh, it, it, on, on a long and beautiful road, I believe, uh, as a married couple and as a family. So as we got to know each other and I heard your story, I was really just so, as I said, blessed to hear how you met and uh, what your courtship was like, what your dating was like. And I, I really believe that is a key to uh, your relationship now, which we'll also be talking about. What's it like now that you're married and married for almost four years? Um, start your story, though, by telling us about how you met and, uh, and then how you courted and why you ended up, I think you said because it was winter <laughs> when you met, that was yeah. a blessing in a way for how you got to know each other. So uh, just tell us about that. Uh, I, I think you're uh, our listeners will be kind of surprised at how you met. 
Well, it was it was Jesus that shipped us, <laughs> um, and, and that's millennial speak for uh, was the matchmaker. So oh, okay, <laughs> we were each attending a adoration event at St. Matthew's in Gehanna, which neither of us attend regularly, but um, they used to hold this regular event for young adults, um, and she had come for the first time. She had met one of my friends just during casual conversation afterward, and um, so we were walking out the door at the same time, and she kind of butted her way into our conversation. Um, (laughs) And like you said, it was winter, so it was about 10 degrees outside, and I literally shook her hand, you know, the moment we, we came out the door, and there was a spark, and we each wanted to talk more, but couldn't couldn't stand to. So when <laughs> Just she too cold, uh, she went to leave, uh, she kind of pulled her car around another time and and asked for directions on where she was going. Um, but I'm really Wiley. good at directions, <laughs> so that's what I told him a couple months later. <laughs> good ploy there. Though. I was all too happy to help. <laughs> Uh, I but, like the scripture uh, verse, the uh, wisest is serpent, innocent as a dove, and I felt like that was a pretty good move there. Right. Casually <laughs> asking for a direction. A good line, <laughs> as they would say. <laughs> and so this was the first week of December. I, um, you know, I, I followed up with her shortly after and uh, just invited her to Mass because it was the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. So... Um, I had already been a parishioner at St. Mary's and invited her to come there with me, actually for her first time, I believe. And believe it or not, that date was not awesome. <laughs> we, uh, you know, we had a fine time, good dinner conversation and such after Mass. Um, but that same kind of chemistry that we felt in our initial meeting was, was not there. Hmm. In fact, I came home that night and I told my best friend, I don't think I'll ever see her again. Hmm. Uh, but I guess fate would have it that, that after a few days, each of us, you know, wanted to be hearing from the other. And so we, we did talk again. We did go on another date about three or four weeks later. And, and of course, here we are. <laughs> well, I think you said when, when I talked to you earlier, um, well, Maggie, you said you were you were definitely not going to try to meet your spouse online. You had just decided that that was not the way you wanted to do it, right? That's correct. I just had it in my head that when my grandkids would ask me, how did you meet Grandpa, that I really didn't want to stay online. (laughs) I wanted a more romantic or at least a more personal story. So I really talked to Jesus a lot about that in prayer. And I tried very hard to be humble and to be open to the idea if I felt like he was calling me to do that, because I have a lot of very good Catholic friends that have met their spouse that way. Mm -hmm. But it was just very important to me that I didn't want to meet my spouse that way. I wanted a more personal relationship and didn't think in my wildest dreams that he would allow me to meet my spouse in adoration. That seems like a (laughs) little bit of a Catholic fairy tale. It does. Uh, It does. And But now, isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that our church and parishes are trying to provide opportunities for young single people to come together for spiritual events and and get to know each other and let the Lord handle the rest? Uh, What are some of they've had some kind of theology on tap? I think you mentioned also is another thing that uh, you had had attended at some point. 
Yes, that's true. We both had been, we both went to Theology on Tap a number of times. And after we were dating for a few months, we discovered we had actually been introduced at Theology on Tap mm-hmm. about nine or ten months before we met again at Adoration. But mm. neither one of us were in a good place to be dating, so nothing happened. It wasn't a big introduction, but mm-hmm. it was kind of fun when we were like, oh my gosh, you were there. I remember <laughs> meeting you. And then we even were able to go back on the Theology on Tap Facebook page, and we found the picture of us sitting like four people apart. So that was just really fun, too. <laughs> That's really neat. And how God will give you just lots of opportunities. Um, and kind of, uh, kind of, what do I want to say, weaving your lives together in some subtle ways. Um, so mm-hmm. then because it was winter, uh, you pretty much had uh, had to stay inside, so to speak. Um, and you didn't have a lot of money to spend on dates. So again, this is yeah. this is the really amazing. But I, I just love the fact of how you got to know each other with uh, deciding to have some home cooked meals together. Yeah, in fact, uh, what I like to call our first successful date, when we we finally did um, <laughs> give it a second shot, uh, we were each just preparing for our individual family Christmas gatherings by making a dessert, and so we decided we'd make the same dessert together. And, you know, spend that time in the kitchen. Um, and it, that did be kind of, it became a rhythm, you know, for a lot of dates. If we didn't have something else planned, um, then that's what we would do is simply cook and eat together, wash dishes together, and read a chapter of a book. Um, so we had purchased at the time a copy of Christian Courtship in an Oversexed World. And... That book by Father Morrow, um, I think we literally read every page. It was fantastically written and laid out the way we needed it to be um, and just helped set the tone for trying to do this the right way and mm-hmm. actually making it a discernment of marriage from the start. That's the point of dating. It's The point isn't anything else. Uh, and, you know, it, it did its job. It kept us focused, it kept us holy during that time. <laughs> I, th- I love it. I d- and I love the title. It's so appropriate, isn't it? And, and so sad that so many couples um, don't realize that there is a different way. There, there is a different way than our oversexed world. And what a beautiful concept courtship really is. So that's a great I'm so glad you mentioned that. And I hope that our listeners, uh, those who know young couples who may be um, getting serious, thinking about uh, engagement, or even just starting to date. Um, let's really introduce them to that concept of, of Christian courtship. Christian courtship in an oversexed world. And what was the name of the author? Father Morrow. Father Morrow. M-O-R-R-O-W. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. And then I think you mentioned a couple of others uh, that were actually written by an evangelical Christian. Yes. So uh, before I was a teacher, I was a youth minister, so I became very familiar with this author. Um, Kurt, you have the author in front of you, Mark DeVries. Thank you. Mark (laughs) DeVries. He's written a couple youth ministry books, and when I came across another title of his that was written by him and his wife, and then another youth minister and his wife. Oh. It's called The Most Important Year in a Man's Life. And there's also a title called The Most Important Year in a Woman's Life. The chapters are parallel, 
But in the man's book, it's going to have maybe a sports metaphor, and the woman's is going to have a relationship metaphor. Mm-hmm. So they were very easy to understand. He would read his copy. I would read my copy. They even have discussion questions after each chapter. But that was a fantastic book for us to read when we were engaged because it brought up a lot of really good topics. Like, what do you do when... One example that came to mind was the role of the mother, not like the wife, but the mother of the bride and the groom that first year. Mm -hmm. The husband has to always be on team wife. He can't ever side with his mom. (laughs) I know that sounds maybe kind of silly, but it's so important that he does. Both individuals leave their father and mother and cling to their spouse. Mm -hmm. So I know I've seen that issue in a couple of my friends' marriages, and I'm just like, no, they're doing it wrong. So I was so <laughs> thankful for that book. That you had that. And it also just gave us, yes, and, and it that, also gave that, us a couple, sorry. That's all right. I just <laughs> wanted to clarify that that most important year is the first year of marriage. Is that right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I I love that. The titles, I think that's that's. Uh, you know, those are great resources for, for, again, for parents listening, grandparents listening, young couples listening. Uh, these would be wonderful to help you uh, really understand and, and lead a, a holy courtship, as well as be prepared for that first year of marriage. Well, then um, then you, you also went on an engagement encounter weekend, and I want to talk a little bit about that or have you talk about that and, and how powerful that was in your courtship and marriage prep. But... Um, we were already halfway through our program. I can't believe it. The time has gone so fast. And I want to reintroduce our guests today on the Family Sanctuary. Our guests are Kurt and Maggie Deeringer from St. Mary Parish, St. Mary Mother of God in German Village. They've been married for four years, and they just had a beautiful courtship. The title of our program today is Secret of a Long Marriage, a Great Courtship. And they really did have one. And I want to get into your, your engaged encounter weekend, as well as how these first few years of your marriage uh, are working and what are some of the concepts that you really brought into your marriage from the courtship and from the engaged encounter that have been really powerful in your first few years of marriage. So tell us about the engaged encounter and uh, how that affected you and um, maybe some of the things from Engaged Encounter that have really been helpful in your early years of marriage. And I know they're laying a foundation for a long marriage for you two. <laughs> they are. Uh, a good friend of mine was active in Marriage Encounter Ministries. So when I was first engaged, um, he mentioned to me that that's, you know, a, a marriage prep option as well. And I'm familiar with or having listened to him, familiar with the fact that it's largely based on dialoguing. So there's a lot of time focused during that retreat um, just on the couple. You know, you're given talks and you're given prompts for writing letters to Don't one another. Don't give too much away. It's supposed to be a secret. <laughs> but we know the dialogue but, means die. It's yeah. two people communicating together, right? Yeah. But during the weekend even, it, it should, like she said, it is a secret. The, the process and the time frame is largely unknown. And so you go in and, you know, you put your phone away and you enter the retreat. And having to trust that process and not knowing what was next um, just helped us to enter into it a lot and really became a metaphor for the trust that we're putting in this marriage and not knowing what was going to happen down the road, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because 
as things happen, it's, it's not, are we going to survive that? It's how are we going to survive that? The, the question of the length of the marriage is, is not a question for us. It's a, it's a permanent thing. And that um, sacramental uh, nature of it was something stressed in the program. So, uh, and, and I love that, um, that you pointed out the, the analogy of trust. You go in and uh, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you're trusting that the Lord is there and, and that uh, what you're going to be led through, you know, will be a powerful experience. So I think because you had had such a strong courtship already, you said you really, the, the concepts of the weekend were not revolutionary to you. They were not all that surprising. But they did help you delve deeper. And I, I, I'm, I know, uh, Kurt, particularly, you told me that there were a couple of things that were said on the weekend that have become pretty uh, important in your early years of marriage. There were. Um, as, as silly as it may be, just rules of thumb or things to remember that uh, help keep us centered. One is a story that was shared by a priest um, about an old couple who used to write the word schmilly on everything, like in the fog of the bathroom mirror or, you know, on a cereal box or whatever. And, and schmilly is an acronym, by the way, for see how much I love you. So maybe the husband does something nice for his wife and he leaves the word schmilly behind. So she feels loved by what he did. She notices um, it because it can also be used yeah, I was just going to, to say you know, sometimes one one partner will do something specifically as an indication of love, and the other person maybe doesn't even notice it. Isn't that sad? <laughs> uh, or is, takes that for granted. We're very familiar with, which has been kind of difficult for both of us. So schmilly, once we brought that back into it, it's been a nice way to. I know it sounds a little anti-Catholic sometimes to say to see that that good work ha- is seen, but in a marriage, it's good to know that your partner is thinking of you and to know that they're doing an act of love. Right. And it's really been helpful in that way. Sure. And even if you kind of knew that what the person did was an act of love, if you're a little bit standoffish that day, you might say, well, you know, I deserve that act of love. I've been working too hard. <laughs> You might not have even you might not have even appreciated it, but but leaving I love what you said, Kurt. Leaving that word uh, schmilly uh, on on the bathroom mirror, for instance, or uh, reminds the person, "I love you," and uh, I I did something for you, and uh, and brings a smile to your face, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, how have you used that? I think you gave me an example. Um, uh, Maggie, of how you've used Schmilly. Well, I would rather dose on him. Okay, <laughs> all right. Two-year-old, we're still in the midst of changing poopy diapers. Uh-huh. That's the last <laughs> thing either of us want to do when we get home. So sometimes he'll just look at me and say Schmilly and then go change the poopy diaper. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that. And, um, and I hope other couples on that engaged encounter uh, have taken you up on it. And it's interesting when you were telling me about Schmilly, uh, I think, Kurt, you, you said for you, it's, it's not just humorous, it's romantic. 
which I think is really neat. And usually when we think of romance uh, in in a marriage, we're thinking bringing flowers or having a candlelight dinner or uh, but how romantic if you change a, a poopy poopy diaper and say schmilly. <laughs> That gives you plenty and, and more you know opportunities. Romantic, really, and, and probably not given that title in Hollywood, is the forgiveness that we can each show one another. That's something that dating couples who have the rose-colored glasses on may not be as familiar with as a married couple. Um, but what's critical, because we're humans, right, and we're going to let the other person down. We're going to have miscommunications. Um, we don't have a perfect relationship, right? But it's made perfect in the sacrament of marriage. The marriage itself is perfect because it's, it's of God. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the ease with which Maggie and I have been able to forgive one another and let go of grudges is um, not only romantic, but it's, it's a grace that comes from that sacramental marriage. Absolutely. It is a grace because it's not easy to do. It's, you know, when we've been hurt, uh, slighted, uh, wronged in some way, you know, that human nature gets in there. And uh, it's very, very difficult to not hold on to those things. Uh, And so it really is a grace. You're so right there, Kurt. And it's a grace that we have in our sacrament of marriage to call on the Lord. Help me, Lord. Give me the grace to do this. Um. Tell me, I think you mentioned, too, that uh, one of the priests on your engaged encounter or the priest who was on your engaged encounter also gave you a really important tip about forgiveness. It was actually the priest who helped us with our marriage formation at our home parish. Mm. But he said that to give, if your spouse does something that really bothers you, you have 24 hours to bring it up or else you're not allowed to bring it up ever again. And after talking about that, we saw the grace and the wisdom in it so that you don't end up keeping score, right? We've all seen a lot of marriages who, I think, struggle because one of the spouses or both of them are keeping score. But what I told him, what I told Kurt afterwards is, I think I need more than 24 hours because sometimes I just need 24 hours to process. And so we came up with a 48-hour rule. Okay. So if he does something that bothers me or that offended me. I have 48 hours to bring it up or else I'm never allowed to bring it up again. Wow. And that's really helped us not hold grudges to help us not hold each other, you know, in captive for something that a mistake that they may have done. And a good lot of the time when we bring it up, neither one of us even realized what we did that hurt the other person. Hmm. But that's been a really, I think that was really, really helpful. That's great. And a really good habit to start right away. Absolutely. Well, because it, it takes those offenses and it cools them off quickly because when they really become hard to deal with is when they've stewed for a long time. Mm-hmm. And by just having everything in the open, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's easier to deal with. Right. And I know another adage that, that I always heard was something like, don't let the sun go down on your anger, or don't go to bed mad. or And I certainly try to follow that, but I love your idea, Maggie. Let's extend it from the sundown, if not 24 hours, let's agree 48. 
Sometimes we need a little time to think about these things before we before we bring them up. And sometimes if you're trying to, okay, I'm it, the sun has gone down. I need to just forget this. Sometimes simply trying to forget it doesn't doesn't solve the issue, doesn't solve the problem, and it may come up again. Um, Kurt, I think you mentioned to me uh, that you try. There's something else you try to add when you say, uh, "I'm sorry." Will you please forgive me? Yeah, I love <laughs> that when you said that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's too easy to maybe even um, quickly say that term. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for what I said. But if you add, "Will you please forgive me?" I think it takes it to to another level. And and uh, so that has has that really been a help to both of you? It has. The way it was explained to us was almost in terms of power. So if I did something to offend Kurt and I say I'm sorry, then I am holding all the power in the situation. Kurt has no say in forgiveness or not, because I didn't ask for his forgiveness. I just said, oh, I messed up. I'm sorry. But if he actually has to say, I forgive you, then he also is taking um, a little bit of power. sounds weird, but he's taking a little bit of the power and the ownership back of saying, I do forgive you. And so I won't hold this against you any longer. There've been plenty of times where we've been arguing and he looks at me and he says, I'm sorry, do you forgive me? And I I have to say, yes, I forgive you because of the cross. (laughs) I have Mm. to forgive him. But there are many times where I don't want to forgive him, but I have to. And then it does help the argument, does help the argument go away. The grace of the sacrament does come into play. It is active in our lives. And the feeling does follow the forgiveness, which I think a lot of us try to fight. We try to wait to forgive somebody until we feel better. But Mm. that's not the way the cross works. We have to do the forgiveness and the feeling will come. Yeah. And so having that extra, please forgive me, will you forgive me, really allows that to come full circle. That's beautiful. And allows that healing to begin. And in our marriage encounter language, uh, my mm-hmm. husband and I were in marriage encounter for many, many years. It's a decision to love. And then the feeling of love will come later. <laughs> and it's yes. a decision yes. to forgive. And the feeling of being forgiven and having been asked for forgiveness follows that. Well, your story is absolutely beautiful, Kurt and Maggie. Unfortunately, we were out of time for the program, but I do want to mention those books again. Uh, and, and engagedencounter.org, uh, which was an absolutely beautiful experience for you and for those who participate. The Christian Courtship in an Oversexed World, The Most Important Year in a Man's Life, The Most Important Year in a Woman's Life, uh, and uh, another book that we just reviewed recently on St. Gabriel by uh, Perry Cajal. That's in our archives. So thank you, Kurt and Maggie, and thank you all for listening. This has been The Family Sanctuary on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio with Peggy Hartshorn as your host and archives at stgabrielradio.com. So join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intends. Family Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com.